Thank God for his amazing love. I want to invite you to take your Bible with me this morning and turn to the Gospel of Luke. To the Gospel of Luke. Am I on? To the 16th chapter. Can y'all hear me? All right. To the 16th chapter. And um, I want to preach a pretty familiar passage. We've all heard it. It's not on something we hear preached much anymore today. But you know, we are second Sunday in on our Soul Winning Sundays Emphasis Month. We've seen last week we've been preaching and previous weeks about the importance of being used by God as the body of Christ to go out and obey the Great Commission to share the good news of the gospel. And the last thing we've seen Jesus did in every gospel before he ascended back was to tell his people, his disciples, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, telling people to accept and believe in what Jesus did for them on the cross and that everyone who believes will be saved and those who don't will be condemned. And we've been focusing on being saved. We've talked about how we've been commissioned by God to be his ambassadors, to go out with the message of reconciliation. And as if Christ, God, was pleading through us to the lost and dying world to be reconciled to God. And to be unreconciled with God, to be lost, to be undone. Um, We've talked about salvation. And, you know, I want you to think about this. Why is salvation so important? Why be a witness? Why put yourself in uncomfortable positions? Why tell people who may not want to hear sometimes The good news. (laughs) Why is it good news? Why should we all take the time to learn how to share the gospel? To tell people the testimony of our salvation experience. I'm here to tell you why. Because hell is real, friend. You know, we looked last week as we looked at loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and That's the one thing that's going to make you obey and do what God wants. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And we've seen last week that the main reason to share the gospel is because God told us to. Because it blesses God. But guys, today, if you look at your neighbor, I want you to think about this. I know we don't preach about hell much anymore in the church. But if you was to be honest, churches sure were on fire a lot more. Sure was a lot better in society. Our culture was much more closer to Christ when they were preaching hell more. And today I want us to read a very familiar passage of scripture about two certain men. You've heard them preached before. And I hope today God will give us fresh ears and a new heart to listen. But if you read with me in verse 19, Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He lived in luxury. But there was also a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. He was in poverty. And so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades or in hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. 
And then he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Father, today I pray for this service. I pray for each person into the hearing of my lips. That if there's anybody here today who's not saved, not prepared, that, Lord, they would realize that the reality of the alternative of heaven. And they would see that this is a real place and real people go there. Every day someone enters into hell never to return, never to leave into this place that was called a place of torment by this dear man many times in this one passage. So, Father, today we thank you for the blood of Christ, for the cross, for the hope of glory that Christ has made a way and that through him anybody and everybody who will believe and trust can be saved and forgiven, can be reconciled and have the hope of heaven. And, Lord, I know today there's people here who aren't ready for eternity. Thank you for each one who is. And, Lord, I pray that you would save lost souls this day. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says on that verse right there that the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. If you look around you, you got a neighbor, you got people you work with, you got people you go to school with, you got people everywhere you go that have forgotten that there's a God that one day they're going to stand before. I see a lot of people fanning today. Well, I know it's a little warm, but um, it's not as warm as what I'm fixing to talk about. Because, friends, I want you to think about this. I want to talk about the biblical description of hell. Jesus talked about hell just as much as heaven. Hell is mentioned in the Bible everywhere you look in the New Testament. And I want us to look at some things this morning about hell and pull it from this text, the conditions of hell, the cause of hell, and the company of hell. One thing I want to tell you this morning is no matter what might happen in this life, as bad as some things can be, nothing can happen to you as bad as waking up in hell. And we don't like to talk about it anymore. We like to act like it's not really the reality that it is. But scripturally, I want you to think about this. The conditions of hell. The New Testament views of hell, which Jesus called Gehenna, was a place of incineration. That word Gehenna come from the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem where they brought all the garbage and it just burned day and night and they would bring bodies that were not claimed and throw amongst them. And it was a place where 
the worm never died. And it was a place where it was always burning. And he called it Gehenna. It was a literal place. A place of incineration as the final abode of those consigned to eternal punishment at the last judgment. That comes from a Bible dictionary. But I want you to think about this. The conditions of hell in Scripture, hell is thought of as a place of fire and darkness, of weeping and grinding of teeth, a place of torment. Jesus said, a place where the worm never dies. But guys, that's not the worst thing about hell. The worst thing about hell is that there is no longer mercy. There is no longer hope of grace. I want you to look at the first thing this man did after he was in hell. Look at verse 24. He cried and he said, Father Abraham... When he speaks of being in the bosom of Father Abraham, that's the exact same thing as when Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. To be in the presence of God in the place that God's provided for those who are saved. And look at what he said, have mercy on me. First thing he said, he was a man who was rich, who had grown, lived in wealth and luxury. Probably never had to ask for anything. But his first moments in hell was begging, just like the beggar that he never paid attention to that sat at his gate. The man who lived in poverty. And this rich man is saying, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. I want you to realize that it is a place of torment. Look how many times he says it in the thing, it's if you, in the passage. It says, if you look with me right there in verse 24, it says, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may tip the dip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Tormented. Look how many times he says it. Verse 25, he repeats himself. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. Look down at verse 28. He said, Now you talk about you don't want to witness. People in hell are witnessing, friend, if they could. He's thinking about his lost brothers. He's thinking about those who don't know how to be right with God and to be saved. And look at what he says in verse 28. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Friends, hell is a place you do not want to ever go to. The conditions of hell are beyond the reality of us, I believe, to comprehend and truly think about. But I want to give you some verses that come from Jesus. And Jesus said this about hell in Matthew chapter 18, verse 8. Jesus said, hell, hell is so bad that in this life, if your hand or your foot or your eye are causing you to sin, it would be better for you to cut them off, pluck them out, than to allow them to cause you to go to hell. Listen to what he says, verse 18, verse 8. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better that you enter into Life lame or maimed rather than have two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. That's the words of Jesus. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cause it from, cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into the hell fire. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 41, the Son of Man, he said, will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. 
and he will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And in Matthew 25, 30, he says, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, over and over and over, it's being described by these literal descriptions that was a perfect example of Gehenna, that garbage dump I just spoke to you about. But in Revelations chapter 20, verse 14, the Bible says that in the end, in the last judgment, that death in Hades, the grave, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You said, is it a literal lake of fire? Well, according to Jesus, he said, the hell fire. The, the fire, friends, I don't know about y'all, that's a scary thing to think about, but that is by no means the worst thing about hell. The worst thing about hell is that there is no love of God manifested there. Here, the love of God, we just sang about it. Oh, how he loves you and me. And here today, the love of God is available to you to experience. You're here. You're, you're still breathing. You still have an opportunity to receive the greatest act of love that he ever gave, salvation, the gift of eternal life, forgiveness of your sin. Today, there's hope that grace is available to you by faith and believing in what God has promised. He said that we are saved by grace through faith, and it is not of works. It is a gift from God. He'll give that to you. Today, Grace is available. Mercy is available. That man hollered for mercy, but guys, when you end up in hell, there is no opportunity for mercy. There is no hope of grace. Your chance to be forgiven and to have eternal life are forever gone. And friends, I can't imagine but today to know that if you didn't have a chance, no matter where you are, you still think, well, tomorrow I can get saved. Maybe later I'll get saved. Here, all you think about is, I no longer have a chance to ever be saved. I can't imagine what that must be like. But I want you to think about this. People would say today, well, why would God, if he loves us, send us there? He doesn't send you there. We send ourselves there. Especially those who are here this morning. Because you're going to hear the gospel. You're in a place where you can be saved. Recent people just got saved and now they're getting baptized today. God saves people here. I wish more often than he did, but he's saving folks. Amen. And you could get saved this morning if you're not ready. It's just if you want to believe God or not. The Bible says that God desires for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So today we're sharing you the knowledge of the truth, not just part truth, not just the good part. I'm telling you the bad part because it's the bad part that makes the good part so good. Amen. You know why salvation is so great? Condemnation is so bad. And you don't have to go there. You don't have to be lost. Friends, I want you to think about the the cause of hell according to Scripture. The cause of hell, Scripture sees hell as self-chosen. Those in hell will realize they sentence themselves to it by three things I want to focus on for a little while. Resisting God's truth. There's people that sit in the church and go every Sunday and hear the word of God preached. And the truth is probing them. The truth is speaking to them. But they will not believe it. They will not trust it. They will not surrender to it. This man was Jewish by all accounts. By the text and the way Jesus is teaching He would have had access to the scriptures to know what they teach. His brothers had access to the scriptures to know what they teach. But they had to make a choice 
to not only hear the scriptures, but to quit resisting the truth and to come under God's authority. You see, every time you resist God's truth, what you're actually doing is you're rebelling against God's authority. And God is God. You won't win if you rebel against God. There's only one way. There's only one name given under heaven by earth by which men must be saved. Jesus. Jesus said, I am the only way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. There's only been one adequate sacrifice to pay the price you couldn't pay. And Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of living God, the perfect sinless Son, hung on a cross and died an agonizing death. But that wasn't the worst thing he took on as the cross. He took on the sin of the whole world and allowed the punishment from his Holy Father to be placed on him so that we can be saved today. Jesus owes the right to be able to judge you. His father made it where he can judge you. If you end up in hell this morning, it won't be God's fault. He sent the son. It won't be the son's fault. He died on the cross for you. And it ain't going to be the Holy Spirit's fault. The reason you're here today, the Holy Spirit's probably been at work in your life. He's here this morning and he's helping you to understand the truth. He's probing and cutting into your heart, convicting you of your sin. And he's telling you to surrender to God. Quit kicking against the goads. Come to Christ. Christ today because he loves you and you'll leave here today either accepting God's saving grace or rejecting God's saving grace because God ain't brought you here by accident you're adoring you have been here by a providential God who made a divine appointment you showed up today ask the people that have, how many times do I preach on hell not very often we just started a series on soul winning and being real about sharing our faith and Helping those who don't know to be saved. Friends, you're here today by divine appointment. God's trying to save you. And this man, he had every opportunity he could have been saved. You say, how do you know? He's now in this place of torment. And he realizes the importance of being right and ready when your day of death comes. The Bible says it's been appointed for every man to die once and then the judgment. We're all going to die once and then we're going to stand before God in the judgment. And he's crying out right there. It says in verse 27, he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send Lazarus to my father's house. He said, for I have five brothers there that he may testify to them, lest they should also come to this place of torment. You say, how do you know he resisted the truth? How do you know he's rebelling against God's authority? Because Jesus said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. If they have access to Moses and the prophets, that's the Old Testament truths. Just like today, you have, te you have access to the gospel, to the teachings of Jesus. And he said to him, no, Father Abraham. But if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But Jesus said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, if they ain't willing to listen to him, if they're going to resist him, if they're going to rebel against him, they'll reject See him even if someone rise from the dead. You see, he had opportunity to hear the word of God. His brothers has had opportunity. He said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. This morning, by the grace of God, I'm praying that some of you would be persuaded this morning. Persuaded to realize that there is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to run from, to shun. And that God loves you and he'll save you. It ain't waiting. He already called you 2,000 years ago when Jesus hung on a cross and said it is finished. 
made the way. And anybody who will come can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, whosoever comes, by no means will I turn any away. And if you come with a sincere heart and call on the Lord, you see today, if anyone walks away from Christ, it's because they made that choice. They would not be persuaded. They resisted God's truth. They rebelled against his authority. Listen to these scriptures. You see, what hell is, is very simple. Hell is the final result of resisting, rebelling, and rejecting God. You resist his truth, you rebel against his authority, and you reject his grace and his gift of salvation. And you wake up in hell. Listen to this. Jesus said in John 3, 19, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. All you got to do is come to Christ, follow him. Listen to what he says. And this is the condemnation, though, that the light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. You see, when you're in sin and you're, you're living in sin and you're enjoying sin, you don't like the light. The light exposes your darkness. It, it shows you your lostness. And so Jesus says, for everyone practicing evil, that means habitually living ungodly lives, the light doesn't, and everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Friends, listen to this. I don't know what you would hang on to from this world that would be worth losing your salvation and waking up in hell. But this is what Jesus said. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? If you had everything the world offers, all of its fortune, all of its fame, all of its everything that it has to make you think life is worthy, when you die and wake up in hell, none of it is worth it. And friends, listen, we don't like to talk about it anymore, but it is a real place. There are people entering hell every day, every moment. Why I speak, why I preach, there are untold people from all around the world entering into hell. And I want you to think about this. When you go into hell, you never can get out of hell. Hell is a place where there is nobody can come to you. If someone wanted to help you, they couldn't. Lazarus, he may have been willing to go and bring this man who was begging for just a drop of water while he was in hell. There's many people today that are begging for that drop of water when they had access to the living water while they were here, but they didn't want him. Now they're in hell and they would be just do anything just to get a drop of water to soothe the torment of their burning tongue. That's what the scripture says about it. But listen what he says. In hell there is no help. There is no way out. He says, And being tormented in hell, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw Abraham afar off in verse 23, and Lazarus his, in his bosom. And he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this place. But Abraham said, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. But look at verse 26. And besides all of this, between us and you there is a great call fixed so that those who want to pass 
from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Once you're in hell, you're in hell. There ain't no getting out. You know, there's people that think you can pray. I grew up in a religion that named a place purgatory and said you can be in between. Friends, when you leave this earth, there's no in between. You're either in hell or you're in the presence of God. You don't get a second chance. There's nobody can light enough candles and pray enough prayers like my grandma used to do for all our lost loved ones because a religious system told her that you could praise people out of a place called purgatory. Friends, people that are in hell, they're there. People that are in heaven, they're there. And I'm not here, I don't enjoy teaching you this sermon and preaching this this morning, but if one of you would be saved, it would just be worth all of this discomfort that I'm feeling to share a message like this. But listen what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one, that's the devil, is according to the working, I mean the lawless one is the antichrist. According to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Have you looked around? Have you seen how Satan is deceiving so many people today? How there's all kinds of people who are falling for lies and gimmicks and all these things and not listening to the word of God? Listen to what he says in verse 10. And with all unrighteous deception, there's so much deception out there among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. You see, the biggest deception that Satan wants you to believe is that there's hell ain't going to happen to you. This preacher's a fanatic. He's an extremist. I'm just reading to you the word of God. He wants you to think you can wait, that you can procrastinate. Because you know what Satan wants more than anything else to accomplish in your life is to get you in hell with him. For you to end up where he's at for all of eternity. And then he says, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in their unrighteousness. If you keep choosing unrighteousness and the lie and purposely rejecting God, God will quit drawing you, it says there. That's what he's talking about. You see, hell is the price of free will. There's a lot of people who don't believe in free will anymore. God will never make you trust him and ask him to save you. He'll never make you do that. But he will offer you that. He will draw you. He will convict you. He will, convict, he will try to persuade you. But God never makes people get saved. That's a false teaching. You have a will. You have to choose to receive his salvation. And I don't know about y'all, but what a life-changing experience it is when you quit listening to the lie and you accept Christ. And friends, listen to this. Hell is the price of free will, the cost of being able to choose what we want to do and what we don't want to do. God gave you the will to do that. Now I want you to look at who's in hell. The company of hell. You see, hell wasn't created for us. When the devil rebelled against God and God cast him out of heaven with approximately, we believe, a third of the fallen angels who became demons, God created hell for them. The devil and his demons and the unbelieving disobedient will accompany one another forever in hell. 
Think about this. The Bible teaches that Satan is the leader of the demons. His name is, means adversary, the opponent of God and God's people. The demons are fallen angels, deathless creatures serving Satan, their dark prince. Just like Satan, their minds are permanently set opposed to God. Goodness, truth, the kingdom of Christ, and the welfare of human beings is what they oppose. Having joined Satan's rebellion, they have been cast out of heaven with him to await the final judgment of hell, where they'll all be cast into hell. And friends, listen, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, the devil who deceived them, which he's trying to do you right now, he wants you not to receive Christ, he wants you to continue to stay lost. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's Revelation 20.10. That's after the great white throne judgment. And it says that everybody else whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life who were saved by God's grace are going to be thrown into the lake of fire with them. I want you to think about who's there. It's easy for us to think. There's a bunch of evil people there, and there are. Some of the most evil people you ever think. Adolf Hitler's there. You would be in his company. Charles Manson. Some of the worst people, serial killers, rapists. But everybody there did one thing in common. They rejected God's grace. They rebelled against his authority. They resisted his truth. No one's in hell today because he does dope. No one's in hell today because he's a drunkard. No one's in hell today because they're harlots. People are in hell today because they did not get saved and forgiven through the cross and come to Christ. And friends, you ever think about what hell must be like, the atmosphere? I'm an old rock and roller, and I used to like that old demon rock. It wasn't really what you would call demon rock compared to demon rock today, but it was Old groups like Led Zeppelin and all that. ACDC, y'all heard of them. ACDC, they sing songs like Highway to Hell, Hell's Bells. Hell ain't a bad place to be. See, they were young back when I was young, and they were singing all those songs. They're older now. Angus Young's the lead guitarist. He's an awesome guitarist. He's got a guitar like him. He said, I told him, don't be doing no Angus moves up here. He bought him an SG. That's what he plays. Some of y'all know who I'm talking about. Now, their lead singer, Bon Scott, he drowned in his own vomit from a drunken night of stuber in the back of a car. And they got up the next morning and found him back in the 80s. And it says that after his funeral, there's a rumor that they all went down there with a fifth of Jack Daniels and stood around it and said, Ah, oh, Bon, one day we'll be with you to party in hell. And so they kept playing their rock and roll. They got another singer. His brother Malcolm died recently. And just the other day, I seen him, a recent interview. I'm kind of like looking at him. I follow him. I feel sorry for him. They're millionaires. They're famous. They've lived their dream. But now they're old and it's coming to an end. And Angus looks all <laughs> old. And he's like, oh, my friends are dead. They're all dying. My brother's gone. And he's sitting there smoking a cigarette and he's talking and always, he doesn't have a clue. One just died the other day, David Crosby. He's twice nominated 
into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame through two different groups. And he's one of the greatest harmony singers you'll ever sing. He sang with Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. They were known for singing the hippies' love songs and the love music. But when he reached the end of his life, he wasn't even talking to his three best friends. The group didn't even get along. They didn't talk. And do you know what the last Twitter that he put on Twitter was before he died a couple weeks ago? He put, heaven is overrated, cloudy. (laughs) I watched his last interview because I was like, this is so pitiful. And I loved his music back in the day. It's still good music. And he says, you know, when it comes to the end of the age, the great commodity is not money. (laughs) It's not drugs. It's not women. The greatest commodity is time. Time is worth more than everything else this world has to offer. And he had big tears in his eyes. Go look it up. Google it. And he said, I've had a double bypass. I've had a bypass surgery. I've had a, a liver transplant. I'm supposed to have died numerous times. And now I know I'm coming to the end. And I don't want to die. So sad. Can you imagine when he woke up? And he found out that heaven, you think it was cloudy. (laughs) But friends, you don't have to be like them. You can be one sitting in this chair and believe the lie like they did. Friends, today you'll be in there with all of those people. What are they thinking? What do you think is on the mind of people in hell? I've just been praying and God showed me this. The thoughts of hell. (laughs) They're thinking how foolish it was to resist God. Resistance is foolish. You can't win against God. Rebellion is futile. Kick against the goads. Keep rejecting God. You see, rejection, my friend, was fatal for people in hell. And that's all they got to think about. Why was I so foolish to resist the truth? Why was I trying to rebel against the almighty king of kings, the creator, and how futile it was? Look where I'm at. Rejection is futile. Fatal, look what I'm in, look where I'm at. And the final result, (laughs) the result is final. It can never change. Friends, this is ultimately, hell is truth seen too late. He's in hell, he's begging, go witness to my brothers. He's in hell, he's saying, please send somebody to help me. Have mercy on me. You want to know why you ought to come tonight and learn how to witness and how to share? Because it's too late when they're in hell. Today is the day of salvation. Now I've preached this this morning. Not because I wanted to. But because I believe with all my heart God has told me to. And everything I told you is right from the word of God. Salvation is great. Because hell is bad. And I just want to finish with the gospel. And I want to share Because I don't want anybody here to leave thinking that you have to leave lost. You see, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? We are created in his likeness. We're the crown of all of his creation. We're the greatest thing he created. Us. In his image. God loves us more than anything else. So God did not appoint us to wrath. 
We ain't supposed to go to hell, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do you obtain salvation? Nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven and earth given among men by which we must, must be saved. We must be saved. It's not an option. It's not a holy suggestion. And in Timothy 2, 3, and 4, the Bible says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. He wants us all to be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. And then in John 3, 17, we all know John 3, 16, but in John 3, 17, the Bible says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. There it is again. You say, well, how do you receive this? The Bible says in Romans 10 and 9, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Bible says this in 10, 13, right below that. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. If you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and he rose from the grave and you'll speak it with your lips under salvation, God will save you if you call on the Lord today. Ephesians 2, 8 says it's so easy. For by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourselves, it's a gift. It's a gift of God, and God's already made it available to every man. Whosoever will call out for it and ask for it, he'll give it to you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. So if you walk out of here today, it's not my fault. It's not this church's fault. But more than anything, it's not my Jesus' fault. It's not God's fault. How could God send me to hell? He's not sending you to hell. You're making that decision right now if you're not ready. We had a dear brother named Charlie Huffman making plans to serve and getting his life ready. He just early retired, just had retired recently, was saved and was talking to me about if possibly becoming a deacon and serving us, had went to his job where he was working part-time at a nursery, had asked could he get off on Wednesday so he could come to church more often and be here each night and was talking about serving the Lord. And anybody who knew Charlie, man, I mean, he, you go to his house, he had a whole room full of gym equipment. He worked out, and he watched what he ate, and he did everything I don't do. I could see me dropping dead. I don't take care of my body. But Charlie did. We were out there working in that flower bed, and, man, he had that shovel, and I had his rake, and we was working, and I had to sit out on the tailgate and get me a bottle of water. He said, oh, don't worry about it, brother, pastor. I got this. I had to take a break. Charlie was in good shape. You could say, well, why did God? I don't know. We'll not ever have an answer this side of heaven. But two Wednesdays ago, Charlie was at his house, got up, went to his kitchen. We'll never know what for, but he fell. And I believe he was already on the way to see the Lord before he hit the floor. Friends, you don't have a promise of tomorrow. 
You don't have a guarantee of another day. What you do have is if you'll come to Jesus, he'll not reject you. If you'll put your trust and hope in Christ, he will save you. And I'm not here to try to scare you into heaven, but if I can scare you out of hell, I'm giving it my best shot this morning. Because I want you to go to heaven, but I surely don't want you to go to hell. I want you to be saved and have a relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're not saved, to just walk up here and sit right here. You're not coming to me to join this church. You're not coming to join a Baptist religion. You're coming to a Savior named Jesus Christ. I'm going to make sure you understand what that means. We're on your side. We're here to help you. We're here to, to get you into heaven and keep you out of hell. We're, we're here to be everything we can to work with Christ as his ambassadors to help you hear the message of reconciliation, to be reconciled as if Christ is pleading through us this morning. Come to God through Christ and just sit there. If you do know Jesus this morning, I'm asking you to come back tonight and be part of our soul winning training. Make a commitment. Pray for the lost. Make your prospect list like we did last week. Start praying for somebody who God puts on your heart and say, God, here I am. Send me. I will go because there's some that will not get to heaven if we don't go. And go. I'm inviting you to join as we make the effort to be God's voice here on earth. So I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you to listen to God and I'm praying that someone this morning means business and wants to be saved. Father in heaven, I've shared what you told me to as best I could. And Lord, I thank you for the amazing grace of God. I thank you that in Jesus Christ, every sinner can be saved. The Bible says that it is a trustworthy That is a faithful saying that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And I pray for the one here under the sound of my voice who needs to be saved. That you would by grace call them in today. That they would give their heart to you. I know there's some struggling, Lord. Please help them. Take that first step. Lord, for everybody else, help us to have a burden for the lost. Help us to be willing to go and share the good news that Jesus died for us and that he lives for us because he rose from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to come, come now if you need to. Jesus loves you. He'll save you. It ain't nothing worth waiting on. Hell ain't worth it.